0: Into why always us a Manchester City podcast from the Athletic. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined this week by Sam Lee. Hello, hi Sam. Welcome back. How are you doing?
1: Uh, yeah, all good. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Good. Good. Good week off.
1: Yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I did halfway through. I was like, oh god, I'm missing loads here. Everything's changed. But after the game in the weekend, I'm nothing
0: not sure has, how has changed. Has. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. And we're also joined as well this week again by uh, Jack Pitbrook. Hi, Jack. Hi, mate. How are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? I can't complain. Other than the result of the weekend, I can't complain, really. Um, Well, The Athletic is available now for just £1 a week. Take a look at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to get the offer. Sam, while you've been off, you've been been scheduling your recent highlights, so uh, (laughs) it seems like a good time to ask you what your favourites are.
1: Oh, God, favourites? Um... The one that came to mind, even though it's com- well, not completely irrelevant now because it'll still be relevant one day, is how they'll replace Guardiola and the kind of names in the frame for that. And we kind of use data and all kinds of stuff I don't understand because it wasn't just me who who worked on it to to analyze the people who could replace Guardiola one day and how up to it they are and how much of a, a style fit there'd be in, in various different ways. That's an interesting one. Um, I suppose there's, there's the Stephen Ireland interview. That, I love um, that one. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I mean, it, it was so much. I don't feel like I could take any credit for it. I just sat there <laughs> for three hours and listened to all the the great things he said. So I feel like he deserves all the credit for that. um And there's just a, just yeah, loads of stuff about you know Sergio Aguero, Gabriel Jesus, you know, kind of the the story really, especially Jesus. There's f- I think three things over over the course of the season about how he's so hard on himself, how hard he works off the pitch, and the, the kind of pressing he does and that kind of thing. So those kind of things you could read as like a series. And yeah, there's 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 plenty to get into. I think I managed to find 20 articles that I could schedule during my week off. And
0: that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, Jack, meanwhile, you've been writing about Pep Guardiola after Saturday's game, haven't you?
2: Yeah, so I, um, I watched the game on Saturday and wrote a piece about City and Pep and whether or not Pep can kind of build a second great team at City I'm sure it's a topic we'll come on to later because it's really the big question around City at the moment and uh Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel very confident about it on Saturday evening. I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting discussion, and we're going to get into it. So I think uh, let's uh, let's have a look at that. Uh, but you can sign up right now for just a pound a week. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash pod. Now, before we get into to City at the moment, and uh, especially Saturday's game, um, Sam, I'm going to going to direct this one towards you because an, an on this day video was posted last week. Uh, that was the two nil win away at Leicester from the seventeen eighteen centurion season and it like just i i I clicked it and watched it and like from memory that was a really really tight game city won it 2-0 and it was it it felt like they really had to work to get it if i remember if i remember rightly um but still watching it city's movement was incredible they were dragging leicester everywhere across the pitch and you know just just being patient but working the opportunities with some good movement and some, some some play that stretched the game and it just isn't like that anymore, is it? City feels so much more static in possession two years on.
1: Yeah, they're really static. Um, didn't they just score two really fun goals in that game as well? I remember because obviously it's very frowned upon to well to celebrate in press boxes, and you know there's no kind of reason for me to to do that watching City games but I remember when De Bruyne did De Bruyne score the second and it was from outside the box and he just shifted it it onto his left foot and bouted it I remember going oh or something something like that because it was just like it was just fun and the first one was that really intricate passing move where it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite like the trademark goal where they got in behind on the left, but they got in behind and squared it across. I can't remember if it was Ster- St. I remember Sterling was really good in the build-up. Sterling and Silver, and it might have been Jesus who finished it. Yeah, it I was. didn't see the video. Okay, yeah, so there we go. And it was just, there are two examples of how City could get in behind a team with like qu- clever, quick, incisive passing, and like if all else fails, then somebody could just like belt it into the top corner from outside the box. And yeah, and also like i'm not i'm not saying this is like a worries me kind of thing because obviously i get to go to games even now obviously which people would love to do but get to go to games for free and enjoy it but like i'm sure people feel in a very similar situation whereby i used to have fun watching city games and obviously like it's it's still like a privilege to go to the games now but they used to be like fun to watch and like you'd make those noises in the press box because it was like this this is ridiculous like whether they're whether they're just hammering it in from outside the box or Carving a team apart, it was it was yeah fun to watch, but now it's just so it is just predictable, isn't it? Like you know what they're going to do and how they're going to do it.
0: That's the thing, Jack. Um, I mean, my, one of my biggest issues with City at the moment. I, th- I thought City were pretty good on Saturday all told. I mean, they weren't great with the finishing, and they didn't they didn't create enough enough good chances to really test Lloris. But it just wasn't fun to watch, was it? No, no, it wasn't
2: fun at all, and it has and it hasn't been for a while. Really, there have been odd performances which have been great uh battering liverpool at the end of last season that was fun to watch um you know the real madrid wins were fun to watch but i i completely agree that the overall level of city's play has got worse um they don't create as much this is you know you can see this with your eyes it's also totally borne out by the numbers you know city's goals their shots their xg all that is miles down this year, on it, the, and than on previous seasons. Um, I think you're right that a lot of it is to do with uh, movement, and the City just very static at the moment. I don't think they've, they they ha- clearly haven't replaced Leroy Sane. Um, even the players, even the players they do have in their front line are not as good as they used to be. You know, Aguero, Jesus, m- to varying extents, Mares, arguably Bernardo Silva, certainly, um, and David Silva's left. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it looks like. City are just not as good to watch as they have been in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the stats there. Let's let's have a listen to Pep Guardiola after the game um, because one of the I, I was interested in to to hear how he thought City had dominated. So this is this is uh, Guardiola speaking after the uh, the Spurs game.
3: So the stats speak for itself. We were better in, uh, in the apartments, but we conceded a goal where we cannot concede, knowing exactly what happened. Right now, the drop, and movements in behind from Song and Berwin. And we defend but, and after we put the perfect scenario for them, so a team defense so deep and waiting your mistake, you lose your mind to use the counter-attack, in the first half we control it well, we create chances, enough chances considering how difficult it is for the physicality, for defending four players there and especially after that the um, the whole ta- the midfield is like following really well the gaps between central defender and fullback like defender with six in the back is not easy to attack them and even with it we find the moments but the um, reality we are struggling to score goals uh, this season but this can happen
0: now Jack um, Guardiola said the stats speak for themselves he touched on the stats there um, this is three games in a row this has happened against Spurs now and playing against a back five is not new playing against a parked bus isn't new So like they haven't got any answers for this at the moment
2: yeah well it's interesting isn't it that comparison between different different versions of this game so back in february of course city lost 2-0 at spurs and i did think in that game city were really unlucky you know they missed a penalty they missed some great chances and chenko got sent off kind of un- unfortunately and i did think that on another day. City would have won that game whereas they didn't really get that same feeling about it yes on Saturday I thought that Saturday was more I thought that Saturday's defeat was less down to luck than the February game was and I I just don't feel like City were that unfortunate I know City had all the ball and they got the ball in the box a few times and you know maybe De Asher scored at the end and yeah Jesus you know on another day maybe Laporte's goal would have stood but I didn't feel like City were creating high-quality chances against Spurs. I thought that Spurs had City more or less where they wanted them. And while City had a lot of the ball, it was possession on Mourinho's terms, ultimately. And it's not a surprise they didn't do that much with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sam, there, a lot of people will point to this and say it was a, a, a traditional Mourinho masterclass. But, I mean, there is an element of uh, City shooting themselves in the foot here. I mean, it, Mourinho can't have been planning for, for De Bruyne to smash a shot into, into Jesus, for instance.
1: Yeah, it's again. I'm I'm doing one of these weird things where I disagree with everybody because I I don't I'm not signing up to the idea it was a Mourinho masterclass because there was yeah he couldn't legislate for that he couldn't legislate for I don't know the ball hitting just below Jesus's shirt you know before Laporte smashed it in and that kind of stuff but at the same time the the way the game was played and how how it happened it did suit. Um, it did suit Spurs and it it blunted City who, you know, City don't need much invitation to be blunted these days, do they?
0: Yeah, we've said it before. You see the result and you go, oh, no, that game's gone.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and especially, so 1-0 uh, down. So again, in terms of the Mourinho masterclass thing, I don't fully subscribe to that. But at the end of the day, you know, he had Kane dropping off in a kind of, you know, in the way that everybody credits Guardiola with coming up with a false nine. With Messi against Real Madrid and that was because they knew the centre backs would want to follow him and all the problems that caused, etc. You know, Kane dropping off caused City all kinds of problems. And that yeah. was, you know, that would have been something Mourinho worked on. So there is an element of that for sure. Um but yeah, like when so when Spurs went one 0 up, City was still playing well enough. And around the time Laporte scored, but then it was ruled out, it was like, okay, it's not um out of the question, the city will get back into this. But then you know, this, as the second half went on, and then from the second, you know, a two-nil down, you just know with this team, there's just no way city so are coming back. Just no way. I, I remember, I remember think, thinking that recently. I can't even remember which game it was now, because um, there's been quite a few. But it was just like there's. There's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like the best odds. If there was to win a million pounds, I wouldn't even waste a quid to put on <laughs> City getting two goals back in the last five minutes. It's just not going to happen anymore.
0: That's the, that was the funny thing that the uh, the commentators were saying. I uh, oh, well you know, Spurs have conceded more than anyone else in the last five minutes, and, uh, yeah, and like, 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 literally every City fan was going, well, it's, it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, honestly. <laughs> um, last season though, Sam, they were they were missing chances. Um, this season, they're missing chances to create chances, which is inherently worse. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Neville kept saying I didn't see all the commentary. Um, but I know Neville kept saying, particularly in the first half, they just keep going, you know, they get to the box and they go sideways and they put it in. Uh or like you know, they put it in to try and cross it, but they, they don't they don't really try and force the issue. Which is kind of ironic, I think, because obviously with the Mares situation that's been going on recently and how the teammates have kind of got on his back about it a bit, it's like you would think the solution to what Neville was saying is more players need to try and take their man on and take a chance. But um I don't know, maybe there's a maybe there's a certain way of doing it. And I think with the Mares thing, it's it's the cutting back and, you know, taking you know, it looks like he's gonna shift inside and then put it in, but he doesn't and they don't know whether to make the run. But it just seems like they need a bit more of forcing the issue a bit. It is all very safe, isn't it? And I, I'm convinced everything comes back to Guardiola trying everything in his power not to get counterattacked on, which he's always done, but I think now it's gone to the extreme. And I think that explains why the inverted wingers play all the time, even after Marseille, when he played the wide wingers, and he said, oh, you need to do this against five men defences. It's like, yeah, we you never actually do it. <laughs> and I, I, I'm convinced he still persists with it. It's because there's extra men in the middle. And if they lose the ball or if somebody else loses the ball, the, those wingers are inside. And they're, they're at least a physical barrier. They might not be able to put a tackle in. They might not be the best counter-pressing, you know, if it's Mares or Torres or whatever, but they're there and it might force a team to not be able to go down the middle, you know, to put the ball out wide. And I'm, I'm convinced that kind of every issue City have got and everything that Guardiola keeps trying that fans don't like, obviously he'll have his own reasons and they will make a lot of sense, but I'm convinced the answer it's, to all of it is... It's guarding
0: that. the counter-attack, yeah. Uh, he was asked about the uh, the inverted as Well, he was actually asked about having two right footers on on the left hand side. Uh, this is what he said: "I would say the
3: left back we attack better than the right side. So, uh, Ferran was so good the first half, and Cancelo created two incredible 3 passes. Yeah, but Alex Alex is uh, is uh, now is not available, and Benjamin." Men, these are still not fit uh, like we need, and uh, and, and Joe is playing so good defensively, offensively. So, in that terms, he's there now.
0: Jack, he he either didn't understand the question or, or what it was getting at there, or he didn't really want to answer it. Did he?
2: I wonder what it is. Yeah, well, it was a kind of it was an interesting system, wasn't it? Because it was the kind of classic thing we've seen from City in the last few years, where where Walker was kind of tucked into a back three. And was barely getting up and down the outside at all because Mares was playing out on the right wing, whereas Cancelo was playing was like dominating the left hand side, almost almost like level with Mares. So it was almost like a back three and then kind of five across the middle, and then a front two. So it was obviously like a a a system in which the right back is basically centre back and the left back is basically a left winger. I thought Cancelo was fine. Like I don't have much of an issue with Cancelo. I do. I did watch the game and think, wow, this guy's City have needed a left back for years. Given ever since it became clear that Mendy wasn't going to be worth the money they spent on him, why didn't they buy Sergio Reguilon? He's miles better than Cancelo, Zinchenko, Mendy. All of them put together. I know that, and he wasn't expensive either, was he? Yeah, and I know that you know part of this is the fact that Real Madrid have got a buyback clause for Reguilon, which Spurs caved in on and allowed them to have, and maybe City. You know, maybe City wouldn't want to do a deal like that. Maybe Real Madrid wouldn't want him to go to City because they're a rival for winning the Champions League, whatever. I don't know. But it's, uh, you know, the kind of the suggestion that City can't find another left-back out there who's better than the guys that they currently have. And you watch rugby and you're like, God, there are actually other left-backs out there. You know
0: what Sam, I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, just looking at it all though, Sam, are, are you surprised that uh, he hasn't... Like like you said about Marseille and, and and stretching the game in that way, are you surprised he hasn't gone with a left footer on the left-hand side given that his his at the moment his, his de facto left back is right-footed?
1: Yeah, I mean, you would think that would... That would help, especially because Cancelo spent quite a lot of time in midfield, didn't he? So before the game, I was like, oh, Bernardo's going to play in that deep role. But he didn't really. It was more, it was often Cancelo. And I quite like Cancelo, just as a quick mention. I thought he was, I quite liked him on Saturday. He was he was quite good. Um Did a lot of different roles, which he hasn't always been able to, you know, that's kind of held him back, being asked to do different roles. Um But yeah, you would think in terms of like having a body in the midfield, if Cancelo's in there because he's gone into midfield or just because he naturally likes to cut inside. You would think that it does give you more scope to have somebody out wide. But I think it's it's more the fact that um, you just need somebody to hold that with and actually be dangerous with it. Um, and to, you know, especially when you're defending, when you're playing against a team that defends deep, the centre backs and the full backs, whatever, they can look at whoever city you've got on the left. When the ball goes out to them and just say well we don't have to close you down too much because you're not going to you're not going to do anything with that ball you're not going to try yeah. and we'll get you, or you're just going to float across in and look at the end of the day that, that will be part of the analysis they'll say let them cross because we'll out jump jesus without we'll out jump Agüero, not nine times out of ten um so i mean yeah it, it does it, it does seem like there would be an opportunity to play a left footer on the left because of that um you know this is it i in my job i always try to explain why Guardiola's doing it, using his own logic. Not not just, oh, well, you know, maybe it's because of this, it's because of that, in my opinion. it's This is what he's trying to do. But at the moment, like, it might be one of those things where it's just, even what he is thinking just doesn't quite add up. Like, I don't know, I'm sure, it, I'm sure, like I say, I'm, I'm always very conscious that he could he could just easily explain himself and we'd all go, okay, yeah, fine. But the fact that he doesn't just kind of leaves us to kind of deduce that, I don't know, something's not quite right. And it, and it just isn't, like, is it? It just when he well, said after the that Marseille game you need wide wingers against teams that defend deep and it's like well just honestly just do it all the time then
0: and i guess the uh, the problem with the with the wingers then not creating the chances is that city are struggling to score goals this season it's the it's the worst scoring start since uh, 2006/7 which is the infamous final stuart pierce 10 goals at home season um which i suspect this team is, is is better placed to be go to go on and do better than that team but uh at this stage of the season they uh, they were they're, they're about on the same level there um this is what pep guardiola had to say about the fact that they're not scoring at the moment
3: we are quite similar the same the pre- Previous seasons, so we score more than 100 goals, of course, in the period, long period, we were without the strikers, but uh, we cannot expect the strikers going to solve all the problems. So, I think we create the chances. We have a counterattack for the last pass, like we could not finish and uh, last control, and uh, yeah, we could not score. So we're going to change. The moment's going to break some games. We're going to change.
0: Now, Jack, you uh, something you wrote in that in that piece really stood out to me, the, and it's it's the comparison of numbers for the for the season. I mean, if if, if they carry on scoring at this rate, they're on for what is it, forty seven?
2: Yeah. So the, I mean, look, it's it's a small data set at this at this stage of the season because we've only had I think City played eight Premier League games, but they are current. So you know maybe the numbers will change, but at the moment they're on course to score. Yeah. 50 Premier League goals, roughly. So half of what they've done in the last three years in a row, like there's they are so much worse going forward than they have been in the past. And yeah, it doesn't help that Sergio Aguero has been out because he's important to them. But I think, I've, and you know, I think often when Jesus plays up front instead of Aguero, you notice that his movement isn't good enough. He's not good enough for getting into those spaces in the box for the, for the pullbacks or the crosses. And that's a problem, but I think I feel like the problem is bigger than just the Agüero Jesus issue or the fact that you know they don't really have a kind of top level, another top level number nine which maybe they could do with. It. It's that I just feel like the team is generally a bit ponderous, a bit slow, lacking ideas, lacking control. Even when they have the ball, I don't think they're as intelligent with it as they were when David Silva was still there. They have missed silver quite a lot this year, probably more than they expected. And, of course, Bernardo Silva's not really been the same player over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and that's affected them as well. So I just think, you know, this is kind of what we're talking about at the top of the show, really, David. It's that City are just much, much less good with and without the ball than they were a year or so ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing, I guess, uh, Sam, is that uh, you, look at the, you look at those names that City have lost recently, um, I mean, they've lost Silver and, and his creativity. He wasn't quite at it last season, anyway. But it's still, he's it, still a loss to the team. Um, I think the bigger loss this season so far has been Fernandinho. He uh, from from uh, the, the step down is when he's not been the all-action midfielder that that City have needed.
1: Yeah, um, Fernandinho obviously same again last season. Company, Silver, and and again when these arguments crop up I suddenly catch myself and think are we being are we being fair you know between the fatigue which I don't think is the huge, I, don't, I don't think it's the biggest issue in City season I do think it's an, an element but they were playing like this a lot last season anyway so so fine and then the other one is this it's like can any team be expected to play so well without people like that but then I also think does any team have such a good squad and I know the default reaction kind of outside city is you know money etc etc but i never mind the money just in terms of the quality um and the the fact that these a lot of you know a lot of was bought recently so it's like he's not like some relic of an old era they're trying to get a tune out of you know he's been bought recently so he they you know that should be better um yeah i mean fernandinho is is a loss i don't i i almost don't need to say any, i don't need to add anything to that it's just obvious like I've, michael richards was talking about it after the game wasn't he and he said you know maybe city getting counter-attacked on more and they are and i've said this about Rodri. like the one kind of weakness in his game he had was not knowing when to go and close a, somebody down and leave a hole behind him and, and and those defensive actions that was the one weakness he had but they thought well you know he's got time to bet in what they didn't expect was the whole pressing kind of thing would break down ahead of him and he'd have more defending to do so his weakness is being exploited more and more and as Michael Richards was saying the other day Fernandinho is just better in those situations so even if he had more defending to do he would be better in more scenarios than Rodri is it's just not Rodri's game so that's a huge impact Silver, not just because of like what he creates but the whole kind of idea of Pauza the article I've read uh, wrote earlier in the season the I kind of alluded again to it recently, like last week in the Bernardo Silva article I wrote about what Guardiola wants from his midfield. He doesn't have that now with Silva. He doesn't have the kind of emergency, you know, break hammer, you know, break with hammer in case of emergency, Fernandinho option. And obviously, like the defenders, the defence is getting better, obviously, but it was a huge loss with our company last season. So I do think it's a bit harsh to expect them to, to be doing the same kind of things that they were. But I also think it is entirely fair that with the players they have got... They should be doing better. They should they should be doing much better, yeah. And yeah. if they haven't got replacements, it's a bit like... Well, like, again, like after they didn't get Maguire, which Guardiola was livid about, either you still put the money and get your best target, or you work better to find a replacement. And they did work harder to find that replacement this summer in Diaz. But there is an element to it of, well, they said they didn't want a midfielder to replace David Silva but they they know how important a, a player like silver is, so yeah, there's all kinds of elements that made me think, yes, they're huge losses, but with what they've got in terms of potential to spend and players they have already got it should it should be better. And I just like I say, it just goes back to the counter attack thing, I think,
0: yeah, that's track- why it's
1: double pivots, et cetera
0: jack when when you hear him say that um it's going to change all right, what what do you take from that do you take that he's he's planning to look at the way that his team plays and he's he's going to modify it or does he simply think that that the look is going to change and that they're going to start creating these chances again and and and, and start scoring goals again
2: well i don't think he's going to change how the team play radically like he might tweak a few things here or there but they're not going to start you know hitting long diagonal balls flicking it on for someone to run in behind um I'm sure he thinks that when you get when you get Aguero back in the team and when the more that Torres gets settled in, then maybe City will start sort of scoring more goals again. I do think that City will City's performances and results at the moment are obviously a slightly false position. Like I do think they will improve. I don't think they're going to finish thirteenth or fourteenth or wherever they are at the moment with fifty Premier League goals. Um so things will improve, but I just don't you know I would I don't expect them to turn into, like, a regular City season, if you know what I mean. I don't think they're going to suddenly get back to the standards that we've learned to expect from the City team.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, Sam, I guess, because the uh, that comment, you know, it, it will change sort of thing. Um, that could be as simple as, actually, maybe he will try putting the wingers on the natural sides for a few games.
1: <sighs> to believe he will. I, I I don't know. I honestly don't know, and, like... I'm not sure what the tipping point would be. I'm not sure at what point he would say, actually, yeah, we need to we need to change something now. Because it just like Jack's piece was great because it just it just spelt out clearly that they, they have been getting worse for a year. And I know that's like a, wow, okay, that's a that's a big statement. But they have been, haven't they? Like last season last season was was good, but not good enough in terms of how they did score all those goals and did actually keep all those clean sheets, it's like if you can tweak the other games where they didn't score four or five and they didn't keep clean sheets, then they'll be back. They will actually be back to the levels of getting 100 points or 98 points. But they haven't. They they have got worse um, for various reasons. And look, maybe it's maybe it's fatigue, and maybe that's not going to get better all season because the fixture schedule doesn't lighten up. But um, that is that has been the case over the last year. They they have got worse, and I'm not sure why Guardiola would suddenly go. Okay, okay, okay now we'll play with wide wingers. Now we'll try this. Now we'll try that. I I think that he thinks the best solution for the the squad they've got, the makeup of players they've got, the players they've got available, the players they haven't got available. He thinks. This is the way to do it. That's what I think. Just and look if that's at, true, that's quite concerning, isn't it?
0: Just looking at the fixtures, though, um, the one thing I might say in mitigation to all of this and the and the position where City are at the moment, they have played Spurs, Arsenal, you know, Liverpool, these these teams, and and you look at what's coming up. It's Burnley, it's Fulham, you know, it's uh, you know they've got the Manchester Derby, which is actually at the moment it's quite a huge game for for the two teams. Oh, um, awful, but it's awful like, game. They, they've they, they've been playing they've been playing a lot of good teams recently as well. Yeah, in, come in, on. in a prime City position to saying. they are, but in a prime position to exploit City's weaknesses.
1: Yeah, but they've got City. I've got weaknesses to be exploited, and everyone's exploiting them. Um, I mean, yeah. It, again, it's a bit like, oh yeah, they are missing David Silva. They are missing Fernandinho. I should remember that when I talk about this. But like, I, you've nobody, you got to play the hand
0: you've dealt, though, haven't you? That's yeah, right. nobody
1: was saying, oh, well, they were. You know, they're playing good teams when they were battering everyone. Like nobody says, "Oh yeah, well, you know, Liverpool—they are playing good teams." Like, just yeah, um, they've. But I, as much as as much as oh yeah, well, they're playing good teams. It goes back to what you were asking me a minute ago. You know, is Guardiola going to change, like, freshen up the ideas really and, and and change something now? It's it's not like, okay, well, he he tried something new and it worked, but unfortunately, they were playing a good team and this was unlucky. and This was unlucky. He's just trying the same things, whether it's Sheffield United or whether it's Spurs. Yeah, on now, whether it's Liverpool and like and like oh, yeah, um, just I'm I'm yeah I'm not I'm not that particular one I'm not I'm not really having because yeah. City are good City should be better like they've got a better manager they've got better players
0: yeah now Jack it was uh, we were talking on last week's show about how uh, the defense have been dragging them through games so I guess it was uh, it, it was partly ironic that uh, that five minutes in uh, they made one of the biggest howlers they've made all season. Um, uh, this is Guardiola speaking about those defensive errors.
3: They know that uh, the defenders cannot move before the opponent take the decision. When you want to anticipate expecting the decision the opponent has not be made, you are in trouble. So defenders always have to wait uh, what happened? We want to anticipate when the situation is not necessary. And after that, the song is a special, like with Mane with Salah. Uh, they attack between the gaps. Full back, central defenders, and the central defenders must to defend this space.
0: Now, Jack, we uh, like we said last week, um, it, it's it's unusual for City at the moment that they made such a, a, a glaring defensive error. Um, where do you think that came from? Is it is it the fact that that they aren't pressing the ball higher up? They're switching off higher up, or is it just a case of one defender made a, a, a had a had a moment?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So that like directly. That goal came because Kane pulled back into that kind of number 10 area, which he's so good at doing, and Laporte followed him, and uh, in doing so, left a space in behind Laporte, which Son could run into, on, get onto and Ndombele's pass. Now, this is something, you know, anyone who's watched Tottenham in the last year or so knows that. that. This is what Kane does so well at the moment, is, is moving deeper, bringing centre-backs with him, creating the space which Son runs in behind into. Like, you know, that's how they beat Man. They hammered Man United and Southampton. Doing this, it's how they played all season. So City should have been aware aware of it. Like how- what Laporte should have done, I don't know. You might say he should have, if City had Fernandinho perhaps in that area, then Fernandinho could have taken care of the situation and it wouldn't have been L- Laporte's job. But I did generally think over the course of the game that Kane, Kane really had Laporte on toast. And like I'm a huge Laporte fan. I think he's the second best centre back in the Premier League, really behind Van Dyke. Uh, i think he's been a great signing for city but i thought kane kane's movement was so good kane's physical strength every time he went like physically up against laporte he usually came out on top so um i def yeah i i, I just think it was an, it was it was an individual battle that's, that laporte lost it was also i think just a lack of intelligence maybe or a lack of awareness of the sort of the, the sort of game that kane would want to play um but overall with this kind of thing like i'm not I'm not, I don't particularly want to blame the individuals. I think Laporte is a really good player. I think Diaz is a really good player. I've been really impressed with him since he came in. I think the City's problems are not so, much, not so much individuals. They're bigger than that. It's clearly like the team as a whole is not functioning as well as it was in the past. And clearly the team as a whole has lost some of its dynamism, its energy, its inventiveness. It's uh, the way they press, the way they create. Like It's just... I think you've got to look at the collect with this kind of thing when a team's in a dip you've got to look at the collective not the individuals and I think that the issue at the moment is with the collective um, and I don't think it's I don't particularly want to like hammer any particularly any particular individual player because I think a lot of the individuals and especially Laporte and Diaz are actually doing pretty well.
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone.
0: Sam, it's looking at the press. um, I mean, first off, I I think this season's press has been slightly better than last season, anyway. Um, But it's I I, I'm just I'm I'm at a loss when City have got so much of the ball. It seems like it it, it seems like there's nothing there to press against. If that makes sense, if City have got the if if City have got seventy five eighty percent possession in a game, then you you know they're they're not pressing the opposition. It's it's more. It's more that they're not finding a way through the opposition's packed defense, and then leaving well, yeah, over, leaving it's, spaces. It's,
1: it's two separate issues, isn't it? Um, but I mean, just just quickly, as we've spent this whole podcast talking about your collective issues. As Jack just says, it's not really individual; it's collective, and you know that can seep into like confidence and belief, and you know, kind of maybe you know maybe they feel they feel sorry for themselves in terms of the fatigue or whatever, whereas you know, Tottenham have played a game every three days, like, all season. Like, they've had, like, a genuinely ridiculous schedule. And if City were playing like this with that schedule, we'd be like, okay, yeah, well, it's a schedule, isn't it? But Tot- Tottenham, obviously, they didn't have the shorter pre-season, but they've had things less ideal with a smaller squad than City have got. Liverpool is the obvious example because of the injuries they've got, which, you know, comparable to what City's were at the start of the season, but they're coping with them very well. You know, so in terms of, like, confidence and belief and stuff, it's easy to believe that, you know, they City aren't quite there at the moment in the collective, but isn't it mad? We're, we're having this conversation. Look, maybe we're way off, but I don't think we are. Um, but the manager just signed a new contract. And, you know, when when Jack was speaking about it then, I was like, well, Jack would have seen this quite close, you know, covering Spurs. And th- not all the time, obviously, but but quite a lot and watching a lot of Spurs. And obviously, seeing what happened with Pochettino and how great Pochettino was, but in the end, things just went stale. And it obviously, it's basically exactly a year since they made that big decision to let him go. And I'm not saying they should let they should have let Guardiola go. I, and I said this before when we did the podcast after the uh, the West Ham game, and I was like, they the best thing they can do is keep Guardiola. Uh, and I do believe that. But isn't it mad that we're talking about all these issues, and not that it's right or wrong, but it's just at no other club would this happen. Like, yeah. but that's because it's Guardiola. <laughs> but that's because it's Guardiola. And people always say, oh, well, you know, if it was this was any other manager, he'd be under pressure by now. And like, yeah, that's true. But that's a bit disingenuous because this is Guardiola and it's like, it's not like he hasn't proved himself.
0: Yeah, he's not any other um, manager.
1: He's not any other manager and it's not any other club. They back him implicitly and like rightly so. But the only thing I would add to my own opinion of, you know, keeping Guardiola is the best thing they could do is he just needs to, you know, it's but it's not a catch all is it so i actually did a podcast on friday after you know obviously after the contract had been signed um and before the spurs game and i was still kind of down on it i was still like well it's not i don't think it's going to fix everything i was like, i might be wrong i don't i don't necessarily think they're going to just turn around and start blitzing teams again now there's still a lot that needs to be fixed and and that's the issue and it's it's a mad situation isn't it really where we're talking about all this and the manager just signed a new contract and everyone's really happy about it like it is it is it is a bit weird isn't it And I I just want them to fix it without... I said this in the summer. Buying players is fine. Everyone does it. But they can't just limp through this season. And obviously, there was those stories last week. One, that Guardiola was going to be backed in the transfer market. And it's like, well, why didn't you back him in the summer? And the other one was, now Guardiola signed, City feel that... um, you know that helps with their transfer plans because they've got the certainty there and they can say you're going to pay for Guardiola. so why why wasn't this sorted out in the summer like what what were they waiting for like obviously they were waiting for something you know guardiola was waiting for something to say okay i'm going to stay but what was actually what was that actually what's what's changed what's changed because it's not like in the first eight games they've been yeah i mean maybe guardiola's look maybe guardiola's looked at and go god they're knackered and they're doing absolutely all they can and I'm convinced that when they're not knackered they'll be fine but it's not like they've blitzed the first eight games and he's like okay great we're go- we're going to be okay here. we we can go again I-, I don't know what anybody's seen to to mean that it's dramatically different from the summer it's really strange and like I'm saying they should have signed him in the summer and I'm kind of glad for city that they have signed him now but I don't know why they what's changed like why didn't they just do it in the summer and if they think well, Guardiola being around is going to help them in the transfer market. They've co- they've cost themselves a summer of transfers, and what are they going to do now? Like, is is the implication that the squad isn't there? You know, that they're, they're not going to do anything this season. They're going to limp through the season, the rest, the, you know, the other thirty games, and wait to buy players in the transfer window. Oh, surely not. Like, yeah. sh- there's there's got to be more to it than that, and that that's that's what I'm looking to see really.
0: I just, I just want to read to you the opening of, of Jack's piece from, from Saturday uh, because uh, I think it sums up the, the situation perfectly. He says, Manchester City have gambled on Pep Guardiola's ability to defy gravity, but in losing 2-0 to Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday, they look like a team continuing their inexorable return to the physical earth. And I guess, Jack, the question is... I mean, it's not can Guardiola achieve what he achieved with City in in 2017 to 19, but more can Guardiola do better with this group of players and a few fresh faces than, than anyone else who would have been available at the end of the season? Yeah, exactly.
2: It's yeah, and I just don't know. Like, I don't know whether Guardiola can build a second great City team because that's what he has to do now. Like he has to he has to build a new team, which while different from the 2017 to 19 team is capable of hitting similar heights and winning back the Premier League title. Like That is why they've given him this contract. Um, and I, instinctively, I'm cautious about his ability to do that because in modern football, I, we haven't seen many examples of that happening. Like the last time we saw... I mean, you, know, you can look at Sir Alex Ferguson, who built three great Man United teams over the course of his time there. I mean, I, I, I feel slightly... I feel like I shouldn't really be plugging plugging actually, <laughs> on this podcast, but here we are. Um, you might, if, if Atletico Madrid win La Liga this year, then you might say, well, Diego Simeone won the 2013-14 title, reached two Champions League finals, and then if he wins this title with a very different team with Felix and Luis Suarez up front, then maybe that is him, um, him building a second great side. But generally speaking, it doesn't work like that in modern football, and I'm not, and
0: have have city ever had a manager that's that's rebuilt aside though and and had it been successful
2: to be honest i don't think historical i don't think like precedents from the ancient past are relevant just because i think modern football is such a uniquely is so like this incredibly distinct from how it was 20 years ago um and i you know pochettino's tottenham i think is so two other examples i point to are Jurgen Klopp and Borussia Dortmund, obviously incredible success in the first two years, two Bundesliga titles, lost the 2013 Champions League final, and then couldn't really build a second great side. And his last season, his seventh season there, was a disaster. And he, you know, he was leaving that job before he wound up getting the Liverpool job a few months later. Um, so clearly, even the best, the best, and you know, Klopp, I think, is obviously like a brilliant, brilliant manager. So even the best managers in the world game have a shelf life. In any given job, and if you look at Pochettino at Tottenham, you know obviously he hasn't won anything compared to what Guardiola and Klopp have won, and some City fans might not like this comparison. Uh, but if you look at Pochettino at Spurs, he uh, when he got into his sixth season at the club, clearly things were going stale. He needed new players, he didn't get new players, and eventually he had to get sacks and replaced with with Jose Mourinho. So there, if you have the same players, like there is a shelf life. I think the only way that Guardiola can even begin to try and build a second great team at City is with massive turnover of players in the next few years. Clearly City are in a transitional phase at the moment. I don't think the squad is disastrously bad. I think that it needs well, they obviously need they obviously need a new left back. They obviously need a new centre forward. Uh I think they'll probably get Lionel Messi next year, although of course Sam will know more about this than I do. Um so yeah if they get three, if they get three if they get Messi plus a left back plus a centre forward Plus, maybe someone in midfield who who is more of a kind of Fernandinho replacement than Rodri is, then yeah, then maybe Pep can build a new team. But the reason I'm skeptical about this is the fact that, like, what City really are lacking is that kind of energy, dynamism, hunger, ambition, and they're going to try. Like, the team will still be pretty old next year, and. They are going to need a massive turnover to be able to win back, to be able to get back to that level. And I think that even lots of the key players, I just wonder, even De Bruyne and Sterling, you know, who've obviously won two Premier League titles under Guardiola now, are they going to be as hungry next, in a year or two down the line? I just don't know. I, I think we're we are in a very unusual position here. Like having a top team in world football, you know, going into their fifth season with Guardiola, Guardiola's never lasted more than four years any other job before. I just don't know how it's going to turn out. But and I know, you know, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of stick or City fans in the last week or so on Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, you, you're negative. You know, when you come to the podcast, you're not as positive as Sam is. That sort of thing." But I just, I just, I just, Fuck I, I just, I just <laughs> am not. I'm just not confident. Of you, I'm just not confident um, about whether or not it can it can work. And of course, I'd love to see it work, but who
0: knows? Uh, Sam, well, I mean, I, I guess this is a hell of a question to finish on, and I'm sorry to throw it at you like this, but uh, what can we expect then in, in the next two and a half years? christ uh yeah
1: i think the reason i'm positive is because i'm i'm very i'm very cautious of two things i'm very aware of two things one is that i'm quite glass half empty as a person and i try not to be and the other thing is as a non-city fan i don't feel like i can get away with um necessarily saying things as negatively as sometimes i might see them due to my own personality anyway um but yeah, like at the moment, I was just thinking then as Jack was speaking, right like, and uh, before he actually mentioned that about City fans the, the ones who have criticised him, um, what you know, what would they be thinking and what would they be screaming at their radio or AirPods or whatever when they listen to this? Like, what what is there that we're missing that would make that makes us think that he might not necessarily turn it around? Or why is our outcast so gloomy at the moment? And it's just it's just faith, isn't it? Like, what, because at the moment, like I say, like, at what point will Guardiola say, actually, we need to change this, we need to do something different and it'll work because he hasn't so far and he he needs that. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think other than Guardiola's fantastic and historically he's been fantastic and in very recent history he's been fantastic, so it'll be fine. Um, Or, yeah, I mean, look, maybe it'll just be the transfer market. So maybe over the next two and a half years it'll be fine because, maybe they'll smash the transfer market like they did in 2017 Um, and get in a few good players who make an instant impact. And maybe it's just as Liverpool... Maybe look, Liverpool win the title this year and then they have that dip that Liverpool did where it's just not quite the same the year after and it's wide open there for somebody with a, a boost of energy to come back. And that's when, you know, City maybe having limped through this season but finished in the top four, hypothetically, get a couple of new signings in Guardiola's ready to go again. And, and, and it's like doing. a lit
0: firework then at that point. May, yeah,
1: maybe may, maybe it's that because football can change very quickly. And look, we might be doing a podcast in three weeks and I was going to say, even if City do beat Olympiacos, Burnley and Fulham, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be going overboard to be fair. Like yeah. I wasn't after, you know, Sheffield United and, and Marseille, um, those games that they had. Uh, yeah, but I don't I, know. The,
0: the one thing I would say is a, as a positive is um, when you think back to 2016 and, and 2017, when Guardiola arrived at City, there was people were very, very quick to to go in on the oh, it's not going to work in England when he finished his first season with nothing, and they got that transfer window spot on the, that that summer, yeah, and we saw what they could do. There's there's nothing to suggest that that won't happen again in the next transfer in the next summer transfer window, is there?
1: No, it just needs it just needs impetus, though, doesn't it? Because it seems like, like I said, I might be wrong, but it just seems like the confidence and the belief has been sapped out of them a bit. And you know, and Guardiola, uh, just his his mood doesn't seem to have obviously because they they lost. But even before the game, he was saying the same kind of things as he'd been saying beforehand. So it wasn't you know the contract was never going to fix you know Guardiola's mood and the whole mood around the club. So and that's why it's strange that he signed it now because. You know, surely he was looking at. what well, he was looking out for the response from his players, and you know, are they ready to to go again for another two or three years? And I'm not sure as a whole squad, they're they're fully ready to do that. But I mean, look, maybe if they, well, I don't think they wanted to view it as a two stage overhaul. I do think they wanted to to do the overhaul in the summer, but maybe because of the coronavirus, maybe because of how other things have gone, they now see it as stage two, and maybe at the end of next summer's transfer window, we can say, well, they got Diaz last summer, and he was good. Um, They got Torres and he was good. Ake has been a good player. This summer they've got a centre back and they've got a striker. And maybe if you look at it then and you say, well, last season was poor, but we've got that overhaul now and we're ready to go again. Maybe that is how things are going to turn around. And that would be, you know, that would be the more positive outcome for the next two and a half years. I've got a feeling he'll do next season and then go. But um, I'm not really sure what that's based on. I don't. I don't think he will do the two and a half. Um, but it's a long way off. Eighteen months is, eighteen months is as long as some managers get as a, as a full tenure. You know, that's kind of the give them a full season, see how it goes, and then give them this, this half of the second season to see where they are around Christmas. And that, it's such a long time. You know, that's an entire tenure. So and things, things change. Can, quickly, things can, Things can change quickly. At the moment, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm trying to think of what it might be because I know things can change quickly in football. And I'm imagining in, it's going to be some kind of spark. And as much as I want Guardiola to kind of create that for himself, uh, I think it might have to be a, a transfer window thing where the squad gets energised in that way.
0: Yeah, and ultimately, Jack. I guess, like, even if City, even if we do get a second great Guardiola City team, um, you know, it it still might never reach the heights of of 2017 to 19 because they were so unprecedentedly high. I think that's okay, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's if we're if we're hoping that City are going to get 100 points again and saying that Guardiola can only be successful again if he gets 100 points, well, probably not. To be honest, just because that's such like a statistically difficult thing to do. Um, So. But if they can win the if they can win the title back in the last two and a half years of guardiola's time in the club i think that would be a big success like it's yeah it's quite hard to win the league and and like the big wild card and all of this is messy like if messi comes in then i think both like i think the profile of city will, will change i think the expectations will change the way they play will be transformed like it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a story with so many massive question marks. You know, the greatest player of all time at the age of thirty three, coming into the Premier League for, for the first time, playing. You know, leaving Barcelona for the first time. Play. You know, it's going to reunite reuniting with Guardiola after what nine years apart. It's going to be so incredibly different and new, and we've never seen. We will have never seen anything like it before, and that will just change the world. And I don't. I think like. I kind of feel like we're now assuming that Messi joins City in the summer, and I don't know that he will, but I guess he probably will. Um, I feel like the next kind of seven months are just really just a holding, bat- holding pattern until then, and then when he joins, then you know, then we can think seriously about what next year is going to look like.
0: Mate, me and you have known City long enough to know that if there's one club out there that can break a combination of Guardiola and Messi, it's City. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Right, well that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee.
1: Yeah, cheers guys.
0: And Jack Pitbrook. My pleasure. And to me, David Mooney as well. Don't forget, you can sign up right now for just £1 per week by using the code MANCITYPOD.